Welcome to the Inventory Professional Podcast, brought to you by Inventory Base, providers of industry-leading property inspection software, accredited training, and on-demand property reports. Join us as we discuss the latest news, legislation, and all things property, hosted by our very own inventory expert, Sean Hemming Metcalf. With regular special guests, listen in to our open and honest discussions about the role of the inventory professional and how to navigate through this ever-changing, fast-paced industry. Welcome to the Infantry Professional Podcast with me, Sean from Infantry Base Academy, and I'm joined again by my co-host, Melissa from MGN Inventories. Hi, Melissa. Welcome back. Hello. Good to speak to you again. And to you, it's been a while, hasn't it? I know it feels like it's probably been longer than what it is it was only a couple of months maybe but um yes with all that's been going on with lockdown yeah it's been it's weird isn't it at the moment because it feels like it doesn't feel like we've actually been in lockdown because we're already like easing out um but it's it I don't know the whole situation just feels a bit odd and not quite sure where I am with everything if that makes sense yeah absolutely I'm kind of I'm caught in that stage where I sort of think we finished lockdown now because it's getting busier but still things aren't quite the same as normal and obviously we've still got some restrictions in place so yeah exactly so it's not quite back to normal but like you said we are quite busy I know I'm busy and I know we spoke beforehand and, and you're really really busy and that's one of the reasons I thought um, today's podcast would be really really useful because I've literally just finished writing a five-step guide for recruiting clerks and the reason behind that is the fact that it's really difficult getting clerks. I mean, it was it's always been difficult getting clerks, but it feels even more so at the moment. I mean, I don't know what your experience is. Have, have you started advertising for help? Yes, I've started advertising for our sort of busier uh, peak season, but I do think it's difficult mainly maybe because of what's happening at the moment is a lot of applications are from people with no experience um and i think that that possibly is an effect of redundancies um Mm -hmm. rather than it just being sort of the standard thing people applying and not really um having an idea of what the job is maybe yeah i mean yeah the whole recruitment um kind of like uh, journey as it were it is quite difficult because certainly from my own personal experience um finding the right kind of people is difficult enough but then you've got the whole thing of you know the um, actual application you know what you want from that person then what you want to see how you're going to actually interview them and everything else um and certainly what i'm finding at the moment um again i'm using some of the routes which we're going to talk about in a minute in order to um come to meet with other clerks uh, for experienced clerks and people who are looking to to get into the role but like you said though the the levels and cha- differences and the experiences and um, obviously are differing at the moment and mostly because like I said they are coming off of either furlough and and, ch- and changing and pivoting from their original role um, possibly coming in to become an infantry clerk and some of them are coming in without really any real understanding of what that role is I, I don't know if you're finding that yes absolutely and I think for me that's one of the most important things um, is you know obviously it's it's great to have the experience and that's you know the ideal what we want but someone that really understands the role you know maybe that they've worked in lettings or property management and kind of understand the impact of the report and what we're really trying to achieve who the users of the report are Um, and I think maybe people that haven't had any of that experience before really don't understand what it's all about 
Yeah, yeah, I've I've had a few conversations recently where the, the expectations and then the reality haven't quite matched when you've had that conversation. I mean, I think that's one of the benefits of like planning out about what when to recruit, especially because like you say, getting ready for the busy period, knowing when you're gonna need more help and more support, especially during the summer going towards mid winter time. Although I know at the moment, certainly from my point of view, the kind of booking numbers are still not quite where we are normally for this time of year and the student market is still very much uncertain but I think you have to plan. Yes absolutely Uh, you you can only plan for what you kind of expect it to be Um, I think that we would be lacking if we kind of just waited to see what was going on and then it's all a bit too late so it's just being prepared and taking it as it comes I mean our industry is quite uncertain in that way you know in that respect anyway agents always have busier quieter periods and we can only sort of go on previous years and have you know lovely excel spreadsheets to show predicted numbers but uh, you can never guarantee it i love a spreadsheet (laughs) but spreadsheets are a wonderful thing it's something i i kind of always kind of banging on about when i'm talking to like new new companies new clerks new new services saying about the spreadsheets because they're invaluable they really do give you such a good understanding of you know where you've been last year to where you possibly maybe this year and also then planning for the next year and i keep saying to people unless you've got that data from the beginning then you've got nothing to base it on well yes that's it and time flies and you might think to yourself that you'll you know recall certain things and what's going on but there there is so much data to be had there that it's it is invaluable to have you know a good few spreadsheets on the go to just plan with for future yeah totally agree totally agree so recruiting so we thought about the fact that um we want staff and we've kind of worked out when we're going to need them and possibly then how many. Where do you go to recruit? You know, what do you use in regards to advertising, social media, etc.? So advertising wise, uh, Indeed is pretty much my go to um, to advertise there. I will look on sites like um, LinkedIn but uh, not necessarily advertise there just to see sort of what's going on in the community who's saying that they're available you know as that kind of resource but I think you know one of the issues with maybe advertising on um, a very generic place like indeed is that you you obviously you're picking up anyone that might see it rather than I mean it'd be good to have a specialist um, site that only really dealt in property uh, that, maybe that's something that they should look into um, mm-hmm. because at least then you know that there are people that really understand you know what the job roles are and they've probably been in it before I mean obviously you'll still get people that um, are just interested in coming into the role and, and don't really have that level of experience but you know it, it would be handy to have somewhere that are really just property professionals. It's a well-known kind of sector of business i.e lettings but lesser known in regards to what we do um i always think sometimes that you know agents think you know we're a clerk they give us the keys and all of a sudden there's a report and that's kind of it that there's nothing going on in between and as we both know and as our listeners know there's a lot of of, um, things to be considered to um, do 
just to compile the report and everything around it. Um, so yeah, I agree. You know, something maybe a bit more specialist would would be very very helpful. I'm like you. I use Indeed as well to advertise. Um, um, I haven't used LinkedIn. I sometimes will look at Twitter and potentially Facebook, but I'm I'm, I'm more going to Indeed than anywhere else. Um, but I still do find that even though I've got experienced self-employed clerks required very clear in bold I still get people who who aren't experienced uh, still coming through which is fine because sometimes you can find an absolute gem in amongst those applications because like you said sometimes you just need the right person maybe with the right understanding and outlook and maybe admin skills and the rest you can build and that's why we train them through the infantry base academy so you know you can learn a lot of the uh, skills that needed to compile really good reports but i think you certainly need a good eye for detail good admin background um, and patience oodles of patience (laughs) (laughs) yes absolutely and with that you know if you really haven't had any experience either doing it or working in the industry I think that, you know, to actually realise what it entails to do the job, um, a lot of people might think, oh, you know, that sounds interesting, sounds good, but not really understanding the level of work that has to go into it, you know, the attention to detail. And you might have that for, you know, one or two hours a day, but it's thinking, could you, can you maintain that for six hours a day, every day <laughs> you know you it can't just be that you're able to you know pick it up and, and feel confident in it you need to maintain that throughout the day you know your last job needs to be as good as your first job oh absolutely yeah and and I have found you know sometimes you can definitely see where I don't know the person's maybe not uh, as focused, a little bit tired, maybe it's a long weekend coming up and they're going on holiday. Yeah, there's subtle changes you can notice thinking, yeah, you're not really paying as maybe as much attention as you should do. Um, from you know, for certainly some of the uh, reports I've asked been asked to kind of look up look at from uh, you know, from other companies, from other providers, you can definitely see there's a definite downturn yes <laughs> you'll get I mean in my old profession it was called gate happy you know you just you just want to get out the door <laughs> I like that I might use that <laughs> um but yeah it, it's a thing you know and it, and, and I, I even still use that today because you know 21 years in the prison service you don't tend to forget these sorts of things but it is you, you could definitely tell because you, all you want to do is get through that door you just want to get away from your weekend or go on your holiday or do it is what it whatever it is that you're interested in or or plan to do and you can then see little bits and pieces where normally that person would be absolutely spot on they've just toweled off and maybe the grammar's not right some bits and pieces missing it's, it's no it's not as, as as good as it it normally is but I mean that's human that really is natural I understand that I get that I think if I saw that on a consistent basis then I would potentially worry about it so the role itself then I think it's very clear from what we're both saying and for the benefit of our listeners is that you really do need to know what it is of a clerk needs in regards to um, the attention to detail, the fact that you've got to be focused, the fact that you've got to be meticulous, but equally you've got to be able to convey that in your recruiting process so that person who's then applying understands what that is and I certainly find when writing a an advertisement on Indeed it's, it's a bit difficult because in some respects you feel like there's got to be a lot of detail but then the more detail you put in it becomes this great big beta request almost of that person that it could put a lot of people off thinking oh my god there's no way I could do any of that but actually they could 
but it, it just it just feels a bit you know all consuming a bit too much you know it's it's like wow I just thought I'd just go into a property and take cut the pictures and <laughs> hand over a keys no one told me I would have to do x y and z so I always feel that um setting out what that role is that you want you I want from that person it it, it you know it's such a balance do, do you see what I mean yeah it's a very fine line I when writing the adverts you could just go into so much detail it could be so lengthy and like you say put people off um because until people really seen you know what it involves and that side of it when you list things like anything it seems you know quite lengthy whereas if it's just in practical terms it doesn't seem you know quite so overwhelming but it is that balance of thinking well I don't want to not necessarily mislead someone you know I want to give everyone enough information to understand what they need to be and what the role is without putting them off for, for them yeah. thinking you know what is all of this because you know some adverts you'll see are you know maybe a paragraph long and it is that balance between giving them enough information and um you know sort of conveying what you need to really yeah yeah because you you and I think a lot of it is down to accept um is sorting out what our expectations are of the person and we want for the role. Um, so I think we have to be very clear on that. And I think that will help certainly with the writing of the advert. Um, and also be clear on whether, you know, we're going to be offering training, because if maybe if they're not quite a good fit, but they could be, there's potential there, you know, can you offer training? Um, will you, you think about inexperienced people because they come with other qualities, other aspects of their understanding and knowledge and skill base that you could really, really work with? Because I don't think, certainly in the current climate, that we are going to find a lot of experienced clerks looking for work purely because it's so busy out there so there's a lot of people coming either from furlough unfortunately at the moment there's a lot of redundancies happening um so i have spoken to personally a couple of people that are thinking about you know pivoting their role changing but they don't necessarily understand what that role is so i think we certainly have to um, set our own expectations as to what we can do, what we're prepared to do, what we have time to do in regards to the whole training element. That's it. It It is being realistic that, you know, ideally you might want someone completely experienced, but they might not be available. But you also need to be prepared that if you're training someone, that could take sort of an unlimited amount of time, really, depending yeah. on, you know, how they get on and whether you've really got the time to, um, you know do a good job with them and give them everything that they need to and be there to support them because you know often when you're in a new role it's quite scary anyway and especially given that we are essentially lone workers we're always on our own you need them to feel comfortable that they can just call you at any point and that you'll be able to help them that you're not going to be too busy to do that so yeah. it's finding that balance really it is it is and it is a huge balance and and again i don't think there's a lot of understanding um out there in the general marketplace in regards to lettings exactly how much of a balancing act we 
we do, we do on a daily basis. Um, you know, we're balancing, you know, our own role, um, our role of the clerk and their expectations, the expectations of the client, and that could be the landlord, that can be the tenant, could be a property management company. You could be thinking about juggling so many aspects on a daily, daily basis. And I said, and the support side of it is so critical, but often gets left because there's so many other pressing things that have to be done. But my, my view certainly on that is, is that, that's all well and good but if you don't have the right support you're not getting in the right or the best things from that potential person which means your report may be not as good as it possibly could be and if that's the case then then you're not delivering the service that the client either wants or is expecting um so i think certainly for me when i'm recruiting i'm thinking about that all the time you know what time have i got how can i support that person and if they're not um, got the experience that I need do I have the ability to be able to bring them up to the level that I need without compromising all the other aspects of the business and the service delivering to the client because I wouldn't certainly not put a new person with not very much experience onto a big I don't know, four bedroom property and expect it to be done in say four hours because the client wants to move the tenant in it's too much stress too much pressure for that individual it wouldn't be right and there's no way the report is going to be of any good quality i would argue at that point you know without all the right training and that support in place yes that's it exactly uh, it is um clients expectations as opposed to what the role is as well you know like you've mentioned that there, there might be quick turnarounds um, there might be properties that, you know, they attend and it, it is different from what we expected. And I think that that's important for them not to feel overwhelmed because it's very easy for, you know, in any job to have a bad day and yes. then suddenly think this isn't <laughs> this isn't for me. Um, and I think when you're new as well and it is maybe a completely different role or even, you know, because the way our industry works, maybe a role that you're used to, but in a completely different format and style. Um, then it is easy for them to think, oh, you know, maybe this isn't for me. So yeah. that support is key as well. And you don't want them necessarily thinking, oh, I, you know, I don't want to be a burden, don't want to have to call or email or message um, and sort of figure it out myself. But that be a detriment to the clients and you end up with something, you know, a report that actually isn't something that you'd want to submit to them. Yeah, no, I think that's a really, really good point about the whole, you know, worried about you know, causing a problem, ringing up and like I said, asking those questions. And I, I've, I've had that several times, you know, over the years where I had new clerks. I said, I didn't want to bother you and, you know, wasn't really sure. But, you know, I know you're busy. And I think that's why we as in, as potential employers of service, because it was not effectively employing we're we're contracting out to self-employed clerks, is that we let them know that we are there. I mean, you know, be able to pick up the phone, be available, answer the questions. I'd much rather uh, a clerk ring me up and go, I'm really not sure. And then I'll be able to answer that and then think, oh, I'm not sure, but I don't want to look daft. I don't want to ask that question just in case. I'm tell you what, I'll leave it. And then it becomes an important issue um, that that's just counterproductive on every single level. So I would much rather them give me a shout. We can probably sort it out within a couple of minutes, of, you know, a brief phone call. Um, and then they go away think great lovely either that was right what I was thinking or actually no I can see what it is you, you mean yeah I can understand that and now I can use that and implement it and I can use that going forward so I think you, you're right in what you're saying you, you know you need to be able to give that person that 
feeling of support, not just support, but so they know that they're supported. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, it would only go to our detriment if we're not able to provide that to them. Um, and I think, you know, we've all been there when you're sort of in a new job and you kind of you're not entirely sure, but you don't want to sound stupid. <laughs> so you don't ask the question and you kind of muddle through. And, you know, that's why this is actually very different from a, you know, an office job in that respect is that you can't really get away with that. <laughs> you, you know, you either need to know or you need to be able to ask. So to have that support there is key, really. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Totally agree. And, and to be honest with you, I think we've both done it. I know I have. Um, you know, I've just muddled through, hoped I got it right. And sometimes I might have got it wrong and sometimes I might have got it right. Um, but it, certainly when I started, I didn't have anybody to ask that question. There wasn't anywhere for me to go to kind of like get that level of support, which is why I'm so keen on it. And I know you are, too. Yes, absolutely. And I very similar with with myself as well is that I had to kind of figure it out as I go. And I suppose a good thing about that is that when you, you know, once you've been through a good few scenarios and seen a good few things, you then, you know, it sticks with you. And so you've always got that. But even now, there there are things that I come across that I kind of think, oh, I've not, you know, I've not seen that before. What's going on there? And I need to figure it out. So, it, you know, you don't want to ever have people think oh, I'm, you know, I'm worried about that because we're we're all in the same boat, really. But, you know, luckily they've got us to support them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and I think that's the key thing. We've all been there at one point or another. We've all had to start at some point. We've all had to learn various different levels. Mine was very much for a standing still start. Um, you've had a bit more experience because of your experience within the letting industry before you started this. So in a way, you're in a much better position because you, you understood a lot more, whereas mine was literally from scratch, you know, cold start. Where do I go? What do I do? How do I do it? Yes, and that I think that in itself is very daunting for you. At least I kind of had a good idea of what was going on. It's still, you know, it's still a bit of a shock when you're out on your own, um, you know, first few days and things. But at least I, you know, I had that background of what agents' expectations were and, you know, how the report would be used and the people that were seeing it and really, you know, what it was all about. So I had that going in. I think same as anything, you build on your experience. I think that's one of the reasons why I think your your description for the recruitment needs to convey the fact that, you know, if you are willing, and obviously this, this is the key thing, if you can um, work with inexperienced or no experienced clerks, you can convey to them what it is that you need from them or at least their skill set that you can then work with. Because by understanding that, it will then give you a real good indication of actually whether you can you can help that person you know realize um the role and be able to do it to a, a very good standard and feel comfortable delivering that and i think certainly when i'm looking at cvs um i'm looking for that i'm looking to see okay well how can that experience dovetail into what i know the role is and and how could i potentially bring that forward if they don't have experience of actually doing property reports what else have they got i mean I find sometimes CVs um, are very detailed and will give me that information, but also find sometimes then they don't. What are you thinking about the ones that you're seeing at the moment? Obviously, you won't give any details, but are, are the CVs, CVs detailed enough or not? Or are they giving you what you need? 
Yes, I mean, I think for the ones that are experienced, then I've pretty much got everything that, you know, I need to to go from. But the ones that have less experience or no experience, it very much is maybe reading between the lines. Mm. Um, And I think that in itself can be quite time consuming to have a look at a CV and think, okay, you know, this was their role. So trying to imagine what that would encompass um, if they haven't given the detail on it and how that might be a transferable skill, um, whether it would be relevant or not. And there certainly are some kind of jobs that, you know, are easily equatable to what we do um you know sometimes a lot of administration jobs a large part of what we do essentially is that kind of typing and administration so some of those things you can easily spot but um certainly i find the cvs themselves to be quite time consuming to try and sort of filter through the things that are relevant really um and again maybe not misleading the person so you might have someone that's applied that really has no experience um, but you can see the things that would be transferable. And then there are the ones that you think this really isn't, you know, it isn't something that's going to match. And then that is a complete cold start. So yes. it's spending the time to properly appreciate them, really, and working yes. your way through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think in a way, certainly um, using a platform like Indeed helps you do that because of the way they're configured and it allows people to upload their CVs and, and in a way it helps them structure them. So I think it's certainly the better one, whereas if you were maybe I don't know, on Twitter or on Facebook, you couldn't quite do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said at the moment, there's no real specialist property recruitment on our side of things that, that could actually help in that way um especially because most of our uh, clerks are self-employed there's not really a part of that sector that that that's i've ever seen that operates that helps um self-employed clerks build that understanding and um cv and so that they can apply successfully for the roles so it's certainly something um to be aware of certainly when we're looking at the, the cvs it's like you say to pull out those nuggets of kind of of understanding to see oh, you could do this role you know there is some transferable skills there or be it maybe there isn't and then realizing that and not wasting someone's time because I think that can be just as bad as if you you know you go through the whole interviewing process etc knowing realistically that that person probably won't um, be a, a good fit for the team for whatever reason but you know you still take them through that process I don't think that's particularly fair so I think like you said you've got to make sure that your recruitment your advertisement is very much detailed enough to give that person an understanding of what the role is but then people also need to make sure they put all the detail down in their CV so we can then look to see okay well you don't have that experience but I think we can work with that and then obviously be prepared to do that so going on from that interviewing Clearly, at the moment, it's difficult to do face-to-face interviewing. I know you could do social distancing, but then you need somewhere to do that. People got to be comfortable with that. So most people, from what I understand, are using Zoom and WhatsApp or Facebook in order to have those meetings. Certainly, all mine at the moment have been on Zoom and also uh, via telephone, which I think really, really helps. Um, but even with that, I think you should still prepare in the same kind of way so that that when you're having that conversation, you've got your questions ready there. Um, you've read their CV, you understand who they are. So you're asking pertinent questions, you know, not saying that, that not questions that are intrusive, um, but are relevant to the role. Do, do you see what I mean? Yes. And I think that that's very important as well to have them explain, you know, things that they were doing, have 
questions prepared about what you know what their roles are and it, maybe for the ones that necessarily don't have exactly the experience so maybe your assumptions of you know when you were looking through and scanning through cvs and seeing which ones might have you know the qualities that you need then um to have them elaborate on that as well i think that that's very important and i do think a combination of both doing telephone and um sort of a whatsapp or a zoom call is quite important because i mean at the end of the day they are representing our companies um and i think it it works both ways i think maybe you're a, a little bit more relaxed um, when it's telephone so it's nice to know sort of you know what kind of telephone voice they have whether they they're coming across quite well in that respect mm-hmm. because I think sometimes people are, are a little bit more relaxed and might use phrases or say things that maybe you wouldn't be happy with them saying to clients so it's good to have a, you know interviews in that respect but obviously you want to do face to face because I think you really get an idea of you know what someone's all about and what they're like and how they come across much more um even via you know these video calls when you can really see someone yeah it's a difficult one at the moment because i said we we are very much restricted and limited as to what we can do in regards to -to face-to-face interviews but i think certainly like zoom and whatsapp or facebook will you know allow us to have at least that physical we contact in regards so we can see that person they can see us because I'm very much of the opinion that that, the interviews go both ways you know I I want that person to be a good fit for my team equally I should be a good fit for that person you know how I run the business my outlook my support um, and you know how I support people um, what I'm prepared to do um, and also you know setting out the expectations for the client you know as to what you know that potential clerk might deliver to the client how I want them to uh, interact with them and like you say the, the personable side of it you know do they talk to people can they hold a conversation um because i have had um conversations with people where they look uncomfortable and i now worry then if they look uncomfortable and they can't maintain eye contact and and um it's difficult to get a conversation out of them how are they going to interact with that client especially if we need to either impart some important information especially from a health and safety point of view or equally take instruction well that's it exactly you you know you don't want a scenario where they have to go in and you know impart some important information but then feel awkward that they are again disturbing someone or that person might not be happy with it I mean I think and especially working alone anyway you need to be quite confident in yourself um anyway so it is important I mean it's it's difficult isn't it because everyone's a bit nervous in an interview Mm. so (laughs) it's it's trying to figure out you know whether that is because of you <laughs> or <laughs> or whether that's more sort of a personality trait and I you know that's why it's also helpful to maybe have a couple of conversations with people in different ways yes. because you know maybe the second one they are more relaxed um and hopefully you know if there if there are any sort of issues with that and confidence and um you know that resolves itself but leading back to what you were saying you know asking questions about you know themselves and and the work they've been doing then I think that that's much more relaxing for someone to chat about um and much easier for them Uh, people are always worried you know you're going to ask them a question that they don't really know the answer to so Mm. I think by setting that up and letting them have a little chat about themselves first it kind of it does relax people a little bit more 
No, I, I totally agree. And this is why, again, why I go, I say about, um, you know, people should also be interviewing us. It's a two way thing. So that's why I, I always think about, well, how am I coming across, you know, making sure I don't talk too fast, which I know I do. So I try yeah. to make that in a little bit, you know, make sure I'm paying attention, make sure I'm responding to them as much as they're responding to me. It's why I like doing my interviews over coffee and cake. It's crap for my waistline, but it's great to settle things <laughs> down. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because we, we've done that before, haven't we? And I think the first time we met, we had coffee and cake. And um, I think it's just a great way of just kind of relaxing, chatting. You get so much more out of the conversation, I think, on both sides. If you're both happy and and um, comfortable and it feels less like an interview and more like a personal chat. Yes, absolutely. And at the end of the day, you know, we need people that are going to be happy and comfortable with what they're doing. And um, I do, I worry that I chat at people a bit too much sometimes. Um, (laughs) And like you say, sometimes, you know, worry that I speak too fast. And I think maybe that is something that is inherent to what we do, um, (laughs) because we're used to doing the audios really fast. um, And I often seem to have a lot to say. (laughs) So (laughs) it is, you know, it's making sure that I am not just talking at someone, that I'm giving them the opportunity to say what they need to. And I'm always, you know, and I think part of this with checking as well when you meet tenants it's always important for them to feel like they can interrupt and I'm you know I'm constantly saying you know do you have any questions um you know what did you think about this think about that to try and get people to open up so it isn't just completely guided by my chatter (laughs) but but yeah like you said yeah I totally agree Uh, but it's it's very much as this is what we do we talk and certainly when we're say dictating it um which we both do part and parcel of that is talking really really fast um but equally um it's like you said it's understanding that you know we need to rein that in a little bit when we're having those interviews making sure that person's comfortable making sure like you said we stop take a breath allow them to have that conversation which i know i still struggle with i do try but i know it's it's, it's quite difficult but equally that's why i like doing coffee because then at some point i'm gonna eat the cake i'm gonna have the <laughs> really you've got to have a sip so there's a natural pause <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah because I, I can't talk and drink coffee at the same time i'm good but i'm just not that good no. <laughs> um, but i mean one one important thing that i certainly cover in my blog as well and i know we've talked about um at great length is actually actual um the reference checking side of things of the interview because I've got a bit of a bee in my bonnet about the fact that anybody can quite rightly set up as a self-employed clerk and there's nothing fundamentally wrong with that my problem is though is that there is no kind of formal check as it were to becoming a self-employed clerk so I could literally as I've done before and I'm sure we've all done walk into an agent go hi you know I'm Sean I can do inventory reports for you there's an example can you take me on my first conversation normally is well how much and then if the how much kind of like gets you to the next part of the conversation because you know the agent's happy with the with the cost is more of a case well can you do a report tomorrow Yes. Yeah, exactly. Are you free this afternoon? <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. I mean, you again, you've experienced it. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think that most of the time, the only thing I've really been asked for is um, liability insurance. Mm. 
um, because obviously they're worried that you might damage the property in some way, you know, not intentionally, but, you know, open a window, catch brakes, a lock, any of those kind of issues. And I think that that is sort of a generic stance over all contractors. And again, working in that industry previously, it was very much, you know, make sure anyone going into someone's home has public liability. But I think a lot of people don't really um, consider the DBS checks. I mean, I'm struggling to think of many times I've been asked at all, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. But then how then do, you know, your clients check who you are? Equally, how do we then check who the potential self-employed client we're going to be working with is? Um, and so certainly from my point of view, I insist on a de- uh, on a basic disclosure and borrowing service check. It's a, it's a very easy check to be done. It's very um, cost effective in as much as I think it's about £23, £25. It's done by the government website. It basically states, you know, um, whether you've got a, a criminal record and whether there's any cautions, reprimands, warnings or convictions that are unspent as uh, recorded under the Rehabilitations of Offenders Act 1974. That, that, that's um, how it's done. But it gives me, as a potential imp- employer of their services, contracting services, that I'm dealing with someone of standing. Um, they've been open and, uh, and above honest as to who they are because you can give me a insurance certificate unless I actually go and actually check that. I will not know. No. And and this is the thing, you know, we, we don't reference check. Also asking for references from a previous employer. Have you done that? Have you spoken to that previous employer? You know, what, did you part on good terms? Is everything okay? Because when you think about it, the client has given, you know, our services the keys to a property. We're giving those keys to them um, to go into that property to do work. We're then giving them access to properties worth thousands hundred thousands possibly even millions of pounds exactly and when you think of it in terms of that and i mean there really is anything that could go wrong in a property um it's something as you know as simple as just getting a dbs check for what it's worth um it's just such peace of mind it is because I, I want to know who it is that I'm working with. I mean, I, I, I've got a, a potential clerk at the moment and, and I'm waiting on that. I could start them tomorrow. They've got an experience, got experience. I've spoken to them. I'm happy in that respect. But I need that because also I've got to satisfy my own insurance, because if I take on someone maybe that isn't, you know, a good fit for the company, something goes wrong, my insurance will quite rightly say, well, do you know who they are? Have you done the reference checks, this, that and the other? And unless I can say yes, 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 all the way through, the insurance will go, well, I'm sorry, but you're not covered. Mm. And I don't think um, providers really think about that. They don't think about mitigating that potential risk because they don't even see it as a risk at the beginning. They just think, I've got a person, they can do the job, they can start tomorrow, I can get that job done, I can get paid. I'm not saying everybody because obviously I don't know, but certainly from the conversations I've had over the years, that certainly seems to be what I, I have experienced when I'm having those conversations. And that worries me because there's a, such a potential, like I said, um, risk there for, for monetary loss, for being sued, for losing that client, losing that reputation that you've been spending you know, X amount of years building because you didn't take those steps, you didn't make those checks. And and I can't emphasise enough how important they are, especially because they're so easy to do in that respect. You can make a phone call to check a, a previous reference. You can ask for the, the, the uh, 
basic disclosure check to be done to be given a certificate and that is a recognized government-led certificate you can't just get it you know you have to go through certain steps and and have id checks to be able to get that but once you get that that means that then you know you've got that a bit you've you've made that effort you can showcase to the insurance company that you've done that so that if something does go wrong you know you've got all the uh right safeguards in place at the end of the day and and that kind of like follows on to the whole safeguarding training that we're doing like for in support of the NSPCC the fact that we're going into properties where there's children there's vulnerable adults I want to know that not only is that person a good and fit and proper person to do the work but also when they're dealing with people who you know might have mental health issues that might be um you know, there might be children there or might be uh, considered as vulnerable. I know we don't come across um, these individuals very often because we, we tend to be alone doing our work, but there's a potential there. So I want to know that that person is fit and proper to be able to do that work on my behalf, because like you quite rightly said, they're representing me and my service. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people maybe see these steps as maybe sort of a hoop to jump through rather than really considering the impact and you know when you lay it out as you have you know with um maybe seeing vulnerable individuals and various other things it is so important to actually think that each of these steps there is a reason behind it you know and it is important and it isn't just a matter of oh quick they sent something through you know I've got this and I won't check you know the amount of people that I've known that have not had references checked because if they've just put it at the end of their CV here is this person um there's kind of almost this inherent trust that oh if they're willing to say a reference then it will probably be fine you yeah. know rather than people checking exactly exactly and like you said it's such a simple process to do but I just uh, the amount of conversations I have you know um even now where it just it just doesn't happen and yet the the, the potential risk the liability side of it is huge it really is you just need one errant person to take keys not give them back do something with the property that causes damage willful uh, you know I'm not saying you know accidental willful damage um or even you know to the absolute extreme you know take take over the property obviously squat yeah I'm not saying I've ever heard that happen but if you ever think about risk and and look at risk mitigation you have to consider all the possibilities and then rate them in regards to you know whether they're likely to happen and if they do happen then what's you know what does that cost in both time and and um money and obviously the liability side of things so you know I really do think in those kind of realms um it's unlikely but it's not necessarily not ever going to happen um, and it might have happened. We, I would never know. I don't know. I don't think we've got enough information about our industry to really understand that. But I would I just keep thinking it from my point of view. How would I feel? What could I do about that? And how also would I be covered from an insurance point of view? Exactly. And I think, you know, for the benefit of being overly cautious, then it, it just makes sense to be that way 100 percent this is you know these are businesses that we've built up over years and reputations and it really does just take one thing that you know could bring uh, that client sort of crashing down and it, it isn't worth it in that respect for the sort of you know short amount of extra time it takes just to check everything through and I think you know that's why it is so important as well that these people coming in are um, you know signing contracts with us so mm -hmm. they they really know you know 
what's expected from both parties and what they are allowed, not allowed to do. Um, and, you know, the interaction with the clients as well. Especially from a GDPR point of view, you know, what information can they hold? When can they hold it? When when it needs to be deleted? Um, but also, like you said, about looking after them and knowing what they can do, what they can't do. And certainly from where we are at the moment with the current situation with COVID-19, making sure that we support them and make sure that they're safe um, and that they know that we're thinking about that. So I think contracts is something that we've certainly talked about briefly before and the fact that there isn't really any contracts both with the client um, as such um, not even really any SLAs as such Um, but certainly if we're working with clerks we should be setting out what those expectations should be from both our side of the fence as well as theirs you know when are they going to get paid how much are they going to get paid when we expect them to be available or when they could be available because obviously again self-employed you've got to make sure that you um, conform to HMRC rules about what self-employment is in case they tip over into employment status but certainly they need some kind of contract to understand what's expected when is expected um, to the uh, level that it's expected and then what how it's reciprocated from our end uh, for when they're going to get paid what they're going to get paid um, and how they're going to be looked after whilst they're working with us because at the end of the day we still have a health and safety kind of element to our role we're, we're still responsible for the health and safety as much as they are for themselves yes and I mean at this time as well that's more important than ever really to have that outlined you know how we're protecting them and the steps that we're taking and you know the conversations that we've had with clients so they know what to expect when they arrive um and so they feel more comfortable as well that you know maybe if keys haven't been sort of sanitized or put in an envelope or whatever process and that you're expecting your client to have done for them that they you know feel comfortable in what's going on really yeah absolutely and treat it as a business at the end of the day um sometimes i think you know what we do um as in as in infantry providers is not really seen it seems as a service as such but it's not really seen as a business not seen as a career do, do, do you see what i mean and i think sometimes it's because maybe we don't really look at it that way but if we had all these protocols in place we made sure we did a risk assessment we make sure that when we're recruiting you know we make it very clear exactly what we want from that person what we're looking for how we're going to support them how we're going to train them how we're going to pay them etc um, and treat it as a proper professional business then we will see our role within the lettings industry you know really come up and really be seen as the professional services it is because you know we are working with very skilled very knowledgeable people um, who really do such a great job but just don't get recognized for it and I think if we can start to instill that kind of business service mentality in you know in our own businesses and then expect it from the self-employed clerks and that will help build it because it's all by um what's the word for example isn't it it's it's by leading by example so if we're doing it then that will hopefully encourage others to do that exactly the same yes that's it i mean it is so important that people see as you know as we've mentioned previously it's not someone that just sort of maybe pops in and out and the inventory fairy suddenly has a report for them (laughs) some hours later um and uh, like as you're saying leading by example you know if we're confident in what we're doing and our service and our levels and actually what we're providing and that is going through clerks that are working with us as well then i think it sort of raises the industry as a whole really 
yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. So I think certainly from a recruitment point of view, it it's going to be a busy time in regards to the amount of work we're now starting to see coming through. We are going to be seeing a lot more people applying because of the circumstances from furlough and obviously the um, changes in um, some of the roles, especially where we're seeing a lot more businesses um, no longer operating. So uh, there's potential um, load of people that could come into the industry but then we've got to make sure that we're very clear on what we want what we can do what we can support and how we can help them um, to realize that potential and also encourage people to understand that there is more to being an infantry clerk um, it's not a low level role um, that's one of the reasons I don't really like the infantry clerk name you know because clerk to me is what I was when I was 16 I'm clearly not 16 anymore, um, so things have moved on slightly. So I, I, I like to look at people as infantry professionals because they come with such skills, such knowledge, uh, good knowledge bases, and, and a lot of them have already had careers in other professions. So they come with a wealth of um, skills uh, that are not just infantry-based, but on the social side of things, social skills, how to talk to people, how to deliver great customer service. So they come with a wealth of experience and knowledge that, you know, is, is going to be really good for the industry. Yes, and I think what we do um, is invaluable in terms of it's most people's biggest asset, their home. Um, you know, like you say, hundreds of thousands of pounds worth. And for our role and the documents that we're providing and actually what they mean to people uh, it is actually a really important part of the process and so you know having that reflect on on all levels really what we're doing and the people that we're providing then it is it's invaluable to have that out there and that people you know know that what we're doing is is important yeah no I couldn't agree more I think that's a great way to bring uh, it all together to be honest with you it really is so We've got um, the Recruit Great Infantry Clerks, your five-step guide coming out on a blog. Um, there's loads of steps there to think about to get you to the point where you're you're meeting and hopefully taking on some great candidates, dealing with, uh, you know, some really good experienced self-employed clerks or hopefully developing those self-employed clerks. We've got Infantry Base Academy where we can help you teach clerks how to manage the role understand all the aspects of the role and we're just launching now the practical training side which will be done online especially because we aren't able to do face-to-face -face training at, at site and if you do want more advice and um, guidance or anything about infantry role and the service as a whole do feel free to contact me on academy at inventorybase.com and I can help you with your questions. Melissa, thank you very much indeed. Um, thoroughly enjoyable um, to actually finally get to talk to you again after such a, a, a period of being quiet, which is unusual for me. Um, and um, look forward to uh, hopefully meeting up for that coffee and cake soon. Yes, absolutely. Fingers crossed. Once we've got, you know, busy times out of the way, then uh, things are looking up. <laughs> It certainly is. It certainly is. Thanks for joining us this week on the Inventory Professional Podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, subscribe to our podcast now and share the love. This podcast was brought to you by Inventory Base, providers of industry-leading property inspection software, accredited training and on-demand property reports.